This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, Matt Stafford is coming to the NFC West after all. It's just not to the 49ers. And now the Niners may be on to Kirk Cousins. But is he really any good? And with me this week, it's another slate of guests to discuss the pressing topic on the on the minds of 49ers fans everywhere, and that's going to be the quarterback position. Joe McAtee from Beyond the Horns joins to discuss the Rams, their strategy, and whether or not it's sustainable, because it definitely was an aggressive move. Really fun conversation about the process, the differences between the Niners and the Rams, and, and whether one's going to win out or the other. Uh, and then I talked to uh, Jeff Dini from PFF about Kirk Cousins. We had uh, a discussion on Twitter, because it was all a flutter with some of the Kirk Cousins rumors, and he and I were tweeting about Cousins, and I thought, you know what, let's just go ahead and have you come on the show. We'll talk a, l- a little bit about whether or not Kirk Cousins is actually any good. First up of the two conversations, it's Joe McAtee from Beyond the Horns. I was looking back at the first time that we actually connected and then you came on the show. It, I think it oh, was good. back in 2016. Okay. Uh, I, I have, have no other information other than that. I have, I have an email. Great. I have an email that says that we connected in 2016. Uh, and that was the first time that you were on the Better Rivals pod. Joe, it is so great to have you back on the show. Continuing the, the long tradition of having you come on the show and explain what the fuck is going on with the Rams. So I'm glad you have a record of me and all my appropriate takes at the time. Nothing I said was either inappropriate or inaccurate. I'm glad we settled that. I think this is now admissible in a court of law. Thanks, oh. That's how that's how the rules work. That's how the rules work. Well, you we started uh, back when uh, I was in Niners Nation. You were at Turf Show Times. Now uh, I am at Blue Wire, and you are with Beyond the Horn. You have launched your own Ram site. Tell me a bit about what's going on with that sauce. Yeah. Beyond the horns, man. We wanted a chance. Like, obviously, we're Rams fans, but we, the, when you're at those team sites, you kind of restricted to talking about and stovepiping everything specific to that team. And one of the things we realized was we wanted to do more than that. We wanted to talk, you know, for those of us that are food guys, we wanted to talk about food. For those of us that are, you know, outdoors guys, we wanted to talk about the outdoors. For those guys, uh, photography guys, we want to talk about photography. For those of us that are readers, we wanted to talk about reading. And so, you know, we wanted a chance. Yeah, obviously, we want to talk about Rams football, but we wanted to expand it to be like this is more than just Rams football. This is about being a Rams fan. And uh, that's kind of the synthesis of where that went. And so we took a little bit of time to think about it and what we want to do. You know, you got to do the Substack. Obviously, it was 2020. Everybody's got to fall in line with Substack. But it was one of those things where let, let's talk about the stuff we want to talk about. Yeah, most of the time that's going to be Rams football and 99 percent of the time it's going to have some kind of relevance to it. But there's other stuff we want to talk about, too. And, and that matters. Obviously, we started with that before we knew there was going to be a disease that traveled across the world. But that being said, uh, it was a good time for us to be able to set that up so we could start talking about the things that mattered for us as we went into uh, what ended up becoming a pretty interesting season and what has obviously become 
uh, perhaps a more interesting offseason. You know how I know I'm old, uh, or at least getting old, because uh, people ask me about Discord and whether or not I'm going to do Discord. Like Substack is apparently a thing. Uh, I know very little about these technologies. I work in technology. I work in artificial intelligence, and I'm still like Discord. What? I I don't. Oh oh, you mean it's it's like a chat room, like AIM, like. We gonna, are we going to get asked like ASL once more? Is this where we're going? Has everything come full circle? You know how I know I'm old? Discord is a character on My Little Pony, Oscar. <laughs> That's my life. There are people who will get that reference. And for those of you like-minded spirits, God bless you. I but, am. Uh, for the rest I'm, of you. I'm about 10 years behind you, buddy. You're, you're 10 years there. behind you. You'll, you'll get there. You'll understand. <laughs> I will. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about the Rams because, of course... You got Matthew Stafford coming to the NFC West. We all thought he was going to be on a red horse coming in to save the 49ers. And instead, you get the notification on your phone that he is indeed coming to the NFC West, but it is coming to the Los Angeles Rams. Jared Goff, a third round pick in 2021 and first round picks in 2022 and 2023 shipped off to Detroit. And in return, you get one quarterback who is probably better than Jared Goff. Uh, what were your initial reactions when you saw that trade happen? I think part of it was, and it, it had been coming to a head for what, maybe like two weeks, just the way that uh, Matt Stafford, Sean McVay and Les Snead with their exit interviews ending the season. I don't know. That's the first part is I don't know what happened there. It wasn't just the football. I know Jared Goff, obviously, over the last two years, wasn't one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But something happened that soured that relationship and and severed the uh, sanctity of their commitment to him, where before, despite any mistakes or, you know, uh, interceptions or bad games or whatever, there was always public commitment and sometimes almost overcommitment to make sure that everybody understood how committed uh, this organization was to Jared Goff as their franchise quarterback now and forever. Um, at some point that changed and it wasn't the football. Something happened that, and D Doug Gottlieb tweeted some stuff out today that obviously, you know, without any other reporting is a little hard to kind of run with as, as fact, let's say, but the idea that he wasn't the hardest worker, that he wasn't commanding a ton of respect out of the locker room, that he wasn't, you know, winning the off field battles that a franchise quarterback needs to be able to win to keep uh, the cohesion of the roster behind him. And that Jared Goff had failed in that aspect, which was weird because by any public estimation over the last four years, that was one area where he had been spectacular. And so I think that was the first part was just the shock of 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 moving on from Jared Goff, kind of like the same timeline of Todd Gurley, where this was Jared Goff's fifth season in the NFL. He just wrapped up his rookie contract. And despite the fact that they gave him a, a major contract extension, he's not going to see it in L.A. because they reversed course. And I think that was my first reaction. The second was just the simple reality that the Rams are mortgaging future capital to win now for whatever reason, whether it's because they think they have a winning window. Obviously, they went 10-6, and six, won a playoff game, went to the divisional round, had one of the best defenses. You got Aaron Donald in his prime. You got Jalen Ramsey right into the middle of his peak. Yes, they can win a lot of games, and obviously they clearly think the best strategy is to lean into that, but they're doing so at the behest of their future to try to maximize that opportunity and maybe just to try to make a bigger dent in the Los Angeles sports zeitgeist where, you know, behind the Dodgers and the Lakers, you're always fighting upward. But with SoFi opening up this season and not being able to fill it with fans, I think they're probably still facing some pressure to try to make those 
gains and, and get some wins in the off season to make sure that people are prepared for the football when it does come. But regardless, it's clear that they're worried about now and they'll deal with the future when they get to it. I just worry that that's what they did with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and look where it got them. And now they're kicking the can further down the road to even double or nothing that impact. And I worry that what they're going to be in end up with is nothing. And so we'll have to see. I'm just I'm so intrigued by the strategy because it's pretty clear that the Rams are a more aggressive team in all respects when it comes to acquiring and trying to retain talent. I mean, they're the most aggressive, right? Uh, I don't I mean, I'd have to probably sit down and think about, you know, like most. But I I know at least when it comes to I mean, you you talked about paying big money to to Gurley. You talked about paying big money to Jared Goff when usually NFL teams prove what their intent is and how much they like someone with their checkbook. You think about even when Jimmy Garoppolo signed his big deal, you could if you really read between the lines and the contract structure, you're like, oh, like by the time we get to like year two or three, like there's no guaranteed money. Like there, there's yeah. there's there outs here. And and you don't see a lot of that in the Jared Goff contract. It was like, we know we're going to be a part of this marriage for a while. And they did something similar with Gurley. And now they're going to eat, you know, twenty two million dollars in, in, in dead cap money. I think I think if you think about that and the draft capital they're giving up. It, it's almost kind of becoming a strategy, right? Like this no first round strategy. Yeah. And Matt Miller spoke to a former NFL VP who apparently knows the Rams well. And he had some quote, which I'm sure you've read about how firsts are overrated and undervalued according yeah. to the Rams. And that a lot of teams don't hit on those picks. And the Rams are just basically eliminating the risk and, and taking the sure thing. And, and that, you know, first round picks, if you, if you look at Charlie Casserly's kind of quasi-scientific study or, or kind of a 50-50 hit rate on first round picks. So you might as well go for the hits. You might as well go for Jalen Ramsey. But you think about what the, the amount of capital that they've spent on Jared Goff. I mean, they spent what, like two first round picks to get him yeah. uh, and then two first round picks to get rid of him <laughs> and three third round picks. That's like between him and Jalen Ramsey alone, the Rams have handed over six first round picks two second round picks and three third round picks. I'm just so intrigued as to whether or not the strategy is going to work because I'm not going to lie. If, if you look at our offseason pod when we're talking about the Rams, we obviously had the Niners in Seattle kind of battling for one and two in the division, not knowing that everyone's ligament was going to explode on the 49ers. Sure, sure. But, but we thought that it was going to be really difficult for the Rams to continue to invest as much capital as they did with first round picks and contracts and dead money and and everything being so top heavy, um, and yet they were in the playoffs. And, and I think that's maybe the question that you know people who that don't follow the team probably have is: Can you continue winning? Do you, as a fan and a watcher of the team, think that the team can continue to win, having spent all this capital on acquiring, getting rid of a quarterback, and being so top heavy when it comes to the roster? Yeah, I think the difficulty is when you talk about continue, how long you're talking about. That's the part that I think those quotes from Matt Miller kind of missed. Cause I think a lot of times what we do when we think about trading draft picks for a player or whatever, whether it's Jalen Ramsey or Jamal Adams or whomever, we, we get into this uh, fallacy of thinking, Oh, it's player versus player. Well, that's not true, right? The Rams traded two first and a fourth for Jalen Ramsey, who was only under contract for a year and a half. That's what they traded for. They traded for a season and a half of Jalen Ramsey and essentially the rights to be able to negotiate his extension first in front of free agency. And now he's going to cost they, them $22.5 million this year <laughs> exactly. alone. So, so that's completely different than just trading for a guy in a vacuum. And you're also giving up first-round picks that have the same kind of time limit and salary limit 
in terms of the CBA that you cannot sign a first round pick for two years. You have to sign them for four with a fifth year option. You have salary limitations that keep it cost controlled. So I think it's a little bit different than just saying first round picks are, you know, to the extent that that's what they were saying. Oh, you do They're not as valuable as people think they are. That's a very weird thing to say about a Rams team that has now organized their entire winning future around Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and Matt Stafford, who are all first round picks. But that being said, I think the question <laughs> is when you say continue winning, I think everybody understands that for 2021, there's no reason they shouldn't be competitive as long as they're healthy. The question is how sustainable it is. That was the difference between when you had Aaron Donald, Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, was they were all young. And you were looking at a sustainability over maybe three, four, five, six years that looked promising. That's not the case anymore. That timeline has gotten condensed. Um, continue to win for the near future? Sure. For the medium future, that's to be determined on what they do after the next two years and start to retool. And like you said, there were questions about this team coming in. They answered most of them affirmatively, but that had little to do with the stars and more to do with so many other components that they got even better results out of that maybe even Rams fans were expecting. Guys like Darius Williams and Troy Hill at corner, some of the front seven members on the defensive line, linebackers where they haven't really invested and don't have a ton of talent. They got they got sufficient results. Those guys didn't hold that side of the ball back. Um, and they got to keep that going if they're going to do it because now, obviously, without all these first-round picks, you're not going to get the premium capital that you need to staff up a lot of premium positions. I mean, it, it's a hell of a gamble because I think that Stafford is a better quarterback than Goff. I sure. thought he was a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. There was a reason why last week I'm over here, you know, standing about you know, Stafford being plan A and, and you know, something else being plan B, whether that was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo or the Hail Mary that was Watson or whatever. I was like, yeah, I mean, Stafford is, I think, a better quarterback than Garoppolo or Goff. If you look at just his, his PFF grade on play action, which, you know, the Rams love, uh, oh, his uh, like grade last season on play action, 91.9, which was elite, still 11th in the NFL, 660 completions, 7th in the NFL, 42 pass TDs tied for 13th. Uh, and that wasn't just last year alone. He doesn't have 42 pass touchdowns. Uh, it was over the last couple of years, but he just, he does things very well that McVay wants and they're bros. They had dinner in Cabo, <laughs> which is of, of all things so funny. That they were, but that everyone apparently goes to Cabo because George Kittle's in Cabo, Shanahan's in Cabo, Use Checks in Cabo, uh, McVeigh's in Cabo. Andrew Whitworth, the Rams left tackle, <laughs> yeah. was down the street. <laughs> it's just so funny. They're all just having like dinners in Cabo. But that, so you know that Stafford is is a good quarterback. He's going to do fine in that system. But you've got so much money tied up at the top. You've got Aaron Donald cap number next year or this year twenty seven point eight million. Ramsey twenty two and a half million. The ghost of Jared Goff is twenty two million in dead money. Stafford, something like another $22 million. You've got just about 50% of your cap in, in a reduced cap year tied up in four players. If any one of them goes down, right, you've got, a, you've got an incredibly brittle roster. And you and, saw it in the Green Bay game. No, I, th I think you're absolutely right. I think that the, the idea, though, is like you, you gamble on all those players being able to play. You yeah. gamble on Aaron Donald being as good as he is and, and him being out on the field. But if Aaron Donald goes down, if Cooper Cup goes down again, if Jalen Ramsey's not there, it is it is all teetering. And if everything goes well for 16 games, it just, you know, it's one of those things where, again, it's, it's a really aggressive, interesting strategy. I'm going to be really intrigued to see if they can sustain it for a whole nother year because, you know, the Niners are on the other end of that brittleness. They, right. They've been incredibly right. brittle. And and all of their players have have seemingly had an issue in one, in one way or another. But it, it is it's aggressive, and I think it's high risk, high reward. 
How about the other team in Los Angeles? Have the Chargers had any injuries over the last couple? Good God. Can we can we wrap Justin Herbert up, please? For our just for our as NFC fans, we get to enjoy him. Don't do let, do don't fans do fans in LA like blame the the training and conditioning staff or or like do they always try to find a scapegoat when it comes to injuries? Because I feel like Niners fans do like they want to replace the weightlifting coach every single yeah, year yeah. if anyone tears a ligament. Uh, and it's just like sometimes these things are random. Like how are you going to prevent your leg from turning two hundred and seventy degrees when it's stuck in the MetLife turf? I just don't know how you do that or random non-contact injuries for the chargers in practice. Yeah. I think the difficult, the difference for the chargers is they fired all those guys. I think they're on their third training staff, so they keep doing it and they keep coming up with the same unlucky results. And it sucks because they're, they're a good team. Otherwise they just haven't gotten those results, but yeah, that you're right. It is a very risky strategy. Um, it was one that they tried with Sam Bradford back in 2014, uh, when coming off the ACL, they opted not to draft another quarterback and they were counting on him coming back and he got injured in the preseason and the whole season went to shit because of it. Um, yeah. I, I, and like we, like I mentioned the green Bay game where Aaron Donald injures his rib the previous game. Uh, I think I gasped in the first quarter when I saw a play and I was like, Oh man, he's not himself and we're screwed. And the entire defense, you know, as good as Aaron Donald is, he changes everything and he changes everything before the game starts. Teams have to plan for him entirely when they put their game plan together. And so when you don't have him, it sucks everything out of the front seven, especially the front seven that we have, because we've avoided drafting a ton of talent and investing in it because you got Aaron Donald. You don't need to. It is risky. You're right. And it is top heavy. Um I think the thing you might lean into is the fact that the Rams have been one of the healthiest teams that kind of the opposite, like you mentioned, of the 49ers, the opposite of the Chargers, the opposite of some of these teams that are always dealing with a ton of injuries. The Rams have not been that team pretty much since they moved back to Los Angeles. They've been one of the healthiest teams. They continue to be fortunate in that regard. So maybe there's something in the water. Maybe we got the special sauce. Maybe it's the training and the weightlift uh, crew. But uh uh, it's been something they have been able to rely upon, and maybe they baked it into the strategy because you're right. It is an incredibly top-heavy approach, and it is an incredibly risky. Do you think the Rams paid too much for Stafford? Uh, ask me in two years. It, de- it depends on what they get these next two years, right? I mean, the b- the bottom line is they went to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. They This last year, they went 10-6, and six, won a playoff game, and went to the divisional round. They got to do better. Uh, if they do better, the same way they it was kind of a Super Bowl or bust campaign in 2018, it's hard. It's hard to argue again. You might argue, hey, but I also want to win later. Well, nobody's complaining about that when you go to the Super Bowl. Um, so, did they pay too much? If they go to the NFC Championship, if they go to a Super Bowl the next two years, I don't. I don't know that there's going to be any Rams fans that would trade for the alternative. Yeah, it's it's tough because I mean, all the arguments that I I made for the Niners getting Stafford equally apply to the Rams. Yeah. It's like, do do you want to be? Nine, nine and seven, ten and six, good every year, and like squeak in exactly. to a wild card. Or do you want to try to swing and have the elite player yep. that's going to yep. get you, you know, to the, a divisional game almost guaranteed every week for one reason or another? Um, you know, and, and I think that the the path to finding one really good quarterback, um, it, I don't I don't know which path is easier because finding quarterbacks is difficult. If it were easy, everyone would have one, yep. right? But but it's not. It's hard. Is it easier to find the component pieces? Is it easier to find a Bosa and, you know, a K1 Williams or signer Richard Sherman and have a Fred Warner than it is to find, you know, Deshaun Watson in the draft or actually draft him in 2017 and not give up four first round picks in order to get him because you didn't 
um, you know, I'm not sure. It's it's different roster building strategies. It's different methodologies. And I'm going to be really curious to figure out which one ends up on top. And the thing that's, you know, interesting here is, like you mentioned, you're in an era where you're not, not, you know, 100% assuming success. But there's good reason to assume that you're going to be in position to make the playoffs and make a run. So if you can do that and you can improve the quarterback position, it's hard not to sell the idea that we've got to go for it now because we know that versus an unknown future where who the hell knows what we're going to be dealing with. We don't know what the, the, what the CBA might look like or the salary cap or our draft picks or what those classes might look like. Look at, look at kind of what you guys dealt with after Jeff Garcia, right? And the, the, the way the early Alex Smith era went with the, uh, before Singletary, who was uh, Mike Nolan, right? That era where you guys were trying to build from nothing. Well, that's not where the Rams are right now. That's not where the that's not where the 49ers were at the end of the Mariucci age. Um, you, you've got this window where you're winning. And so the idea that we don't know what's going to happen, we can't assume it's going to be bad. We can't assume it's going to be good, but we know we're good now. And, and, and we're going to throw our assets from the future to make sure that we get as much out of this window as we can. It's hard. It's hard to disagree with that if you get the results, and I think that's kind of where I'm at. Is we we got to see what happens these next two, maybe three years. But if they get the results, I don't, I, it's going to be hard to kind of be upset with it. Yeah, it's the the process for each team is just different. I think the yeah, process yeah. for the Niners is very deliberate. Yeah. Um, it is very like they they don't necessarily like jump with two feet. They kind of they, they tap their foot around to make sure that it's solid footing, uh, and then and then they go ahead and put one foot down, maybe. Um, you know, you, you think about the the kind of trades that they've made. The most spectacular one, quote unquote, was really for D Ford. That was a player right. that they didn't yeah. have experience with, but they still felt like they could, you know, trade and also sign to a big money deal. But Trent Williams was a known commodity to them. Um, you right. know, Jimmy sure. Garoppolo was uh, someone that you have to explore. Handed to them on a silver platter. Um, it, it certainly wasn't, you know, the, the, whenever it got too hot and heavy for Odell Beckham, whenever it got, right. you know, even for Matt Stafford, I mean, Matt Stafford, the Niners were never really in it. Peter King reported that the Niners talked to the lions and mobile, uh, but that they were kind of like lukewarm and never really made an official offer. They were going to come back to Detroit. This is, I think this kind of sums it up entirely, right? They're like, Oh, we'll see if like anyone like gets all hot and heavy over the weekend. And like, if you guys don't get what you want or whatever, maybe we'll come back around. But that's already too late if you're really interested. Exactly. Um, they they just they were they were again lukewarm on the whole thing. So two very different scenarios and philosophies for building teams, and it's going to be very interesting to see which one uh, which one kind of comes out on top. Um, and you, you put it right. You, you mentioned the idea of the process. What's the most famous quote about the process of the, in sports the last couple of years? Trust the process. For the 76ers, that meant give us a couple of years. Trust the process for the Rams means we got to do it now. That's the difference, right? You you meant you said it right. It's different for different teams, and for the Rams, it's doing it right now. Yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating. I think I I don't know that I I think after this year, I'm certainly not ready to count them out. But not having any first round picks, they haven't had a first round pick for what six years. Uh, 2016, Jerry Goff. Yeah, and and they won't until uh, like I, I guess two more years from now. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't have one this year. And they won't have one for the next two years. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be a good while. We'll see what happens with uh, with our draft capital. But let's get to some quick hits because I want to I want to get some quick questions out to you as we wrap up the WTF Ram part of the pod. Uh, so let's start off. I want you to give me the first thing that jumps to your mind. Go. Who scares you more as quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins? Option C. No. <laughs> Um, uh, neither. I, 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 neither. It's plus that's not the strength of y'all's team, and you guys know that. Um, 
Uh, I, you know what I'm worried more? I'm worried in two years that you guys are going to get the right option. So your 2023 quarterback, that's who scares me. Oh God. Uh, all right. Who wins the Super Bowl? Go. Kansas city. I know. I feel feel Here's my thing. Eric B If for no other reason, hire him away from them because you need to make them worse. What are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we letting them keep their great offensive coordinator and keep winning Super Bowls? You know. You know exactly I know, but, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. The one thing I will say, though, is that there was there's a, an article that I was actually in the middle of reading before we jumped on on NFL.com. Uh, I think it was written by Jim Trotter talking and really exploring the whole minority coach hiring specifically through the lens of, of Biennemi and Leftwich. I don't know that we can put Leftwich in the same kind of category as Biennemi quite yet. Biennemi is like beyond overqualified and has been so much so that it's kind of ridiculous. I can kind of get a little bit of the trepidation with with Byron Leftwich. Sure. But and and leading leading the Chiefs to Super Bowls. That's what I don't get. Like you have a you have a chance to disrupt the best team in the NFL and you're not going to do it and just screw all of us over. Neat. That, that, here's what here's what I'm saying. If the Rams actually get the most out of this Stafford thing and we get to the Super Bowl and we play the Chiefs and we lose, I'm going to be pissed at the other 30 teams. <laughs> yeah, put it on them. Yeah. Put it on them. All right, Tom Brady, the over-under for his number of rushing yards in the Super Bowl was set at .5. <laughs> over or under? I was going to say three. Okay. I'll take it over. I was going to say three, so I'll get a whole three. Oh my goodness, that is that's an aggressive bet, my friend. You were <laughs> you were you were a Rams fan. <laughs> Dual threat madman, Tom Brady. <laughs> he could have caught that. One of my favorite Tom Brady memes from the Super Bowl is when he dropped the pass and yeah. people photoshopped the Lombardi uh, in in the in there instead. Love it, love it. Um, I know uh, from knowing you and also uh, being your Twitter friend yes. that you like to cook a lot. I do. Uh, I too like to cook as well. So I would like to know what the best thing that you've cooked this year is. Go. So many candidates. Um, tonight I made Sol Mernier. It's fantastic. It was delicious. It was a perfect plate. The best thing I've made all year. I've been making this pork belly porchetta. That's very, very good. It takes a little bit of effort. Um, I'll send you the link for what I based it on if you want. You got to toast some peppercorns and some uh, fennel seed the night before, along with some salt and some kind of shaved garlic, almost like Goodfellas style. He used the razor to shave the garlic so it melted, When that kind of thing, where you get this super thin garlic, (laughs) and you work it into the meat of the pork belly, tie it up, a little baking soda on the outside, I found helps uh, crisp up the skin, kind of like that uh, pork rind, pork crackling type skin, and then uh, slow roast it, and then blast it at the end, and you get this awesome, awesome, awesome product that I've made. I've only made it three times, because again, you got to start the night before, but it's really, really, really good and probably really, really, really not healthy. And I really, really, really don't care. That sounds amazing. I'm definitely going to need you to send me that thing. Yeah, I um, I got, I don't know why it took me so long, but I got an actual charcoal kettle grill this year. Oh, they're great. Um, and I yeah. love it. I mean, I, I've cooked yeah. on, I love sous vide. I've cooked on gas. Like I love different cooking methods, but for whatever yeah. reason, charcoal was the one I've always been like late to the game to. Man. I uh I um dry brined a steak just randomly for like yeah. a, I think a Saturday or Sunday and I cooked it and I was like oh my god why have I not cooked on charcoal my entire life uh, it's so it's delicious the best yeah no lump charcoal is uh the the I I went through a phase where I was doing it for everything so you know my wife would be like what are you what are you grilling oh two pieces of asparagus like, yeah <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you like I don't know it's just really good. Don't well, judge me. For me, it's mostly like the okay. I have to like plan out what's going to happen afterwards because yeah. I, you just reek of charcoal. 
Church. and it permeates everything. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just like, okay, I've got, I've got to shower now. <laughs> uh, all right. And lastly, the best thing that you've seen this year, TV or film go. <sighs> Remember Tiger King? That feels like 10 years ago. Best right. thing I've seen TV or film. That's a really good question. Um, I rewatched Bo- BoJack Horseman. It's very dark. Have you ever watched it? I have not. No, I've not. I've never jumped onto the Adult Swim thing. Yeah. So you, you've seen The Sopranos. I have. You've seen Mad Men. I have. BoJack Horseman is kind of the next uh, evolution of that. It's very. Uh, That's a hell of a line. I thought we were going to talk about like maybe like a horse head in the bed or like it's the combination no, no. of the two, but with like animals. Uh, that is it's, it's that is a line. It's silly, but. Uh, the seriousness of it and where it goes sometimes. But, but if, if you give it a chance, you got to get to the end of the first season. Uh, you get through about eight, maybe nine episodes. And it's like, oh, this is silly fun. Ha ha ha. And then it turns to the serious stuff. And it's like, oh, man, we're going to do that. We're going to get that serious with a show about animal people. Like, OK, but it handles it uh, as well as any show I've ever seen and goes darker and deeper than any modern show and uh to do that as well as they did uh when i rewatched it it did it didn't hit me as hard the first time that i finished the show but it uh i appreciated it more i think perhaps than uh when i was watching it live so it's a recommendation only for adults good lord only for adults but uh be aware that you're you're gonna have to go into the feelings pretty deep once you get into the heavy stuff and it does not have a problem going there. But if you like that, and if it's worth it, that's probably the most uh, the most satisfying thing I've gotten out of TV or film over the last year. And what a year it's been! I know we're only in February. It's it was a year ago. All like the last year's Super Bowl things. It's like oh god, I forgot that was a year ago. Um, the world was a very different place a year ago, and and now here we are with an aggressive team, uh, a moderately non-aggressive team, and uh, neither of them are in the Super Bowl. So hey. And a show about a horseman. Here, here's my quick hit for you. Are we going to get full football this year? Are we going to have full stadiums? Are we going to get a normal season? Is that is everything going to be quote unquote normal for better or for worse come week one? This calendar year or week yeah. one? Oh, that's a good question. Because I, 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 think, I think my answer is a little different. I think for week yeah. one, you're not going to have everything return to normal. I think you're always going to have Florida. And so Florida is going to allow. You're always going to have Florida. What a what a line. No matter what, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. We still have that thing. You know, we still have that doppelganger on the end of the country. And and you, they're going to allow a full a full stadium of fans at some point in the season. I just know they are. And so I think some stadiums will. And I mean, some stadiums already allowed a bunch of fans in this year. Um, like Kansas City sounded loud. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I think that you will get some, I think if you're looking at like Santa Clara, probably not until maybe the very, very end. But I think once the vaccine is mostly deployed, um, and I'm thinking like, I'm even trying to plan out when I'm going to go see my 94 year old grandmother who my daughter is named after, um, who happens to live in Florida. Um, I'm planning like July maybe after like, hopefully I'm vaccinated if it goes that long. So, you know, that's, that's what I think. I I didn't really think about it, or, or in a in a in a caring way, as it relates to football until um, it was yesterday. I was thinking about just the idea of what we we're talking about with Stafford, and the only way that they validate the trade is to get to the NFC Championship. And I thought about the chance that they might have to play the Green Bay Packers again. And one of the biggest things that the Rams had to their benefit, even though they lost the game, 
was that Lambeau wasn't full of Packer fans. And, yeah. and, and I just I just wonder the idea to the extent that the Rams have to get a better seating because you don't want to go on the road to play maybe a, a good Seattle team in Seattle, Packers in Green Bay, maybe New Orleans again in New Orleans. I know we dealt with that two years ago, but just that idea of fans coming back means so much more than us from a selfish sense of, yeah, we want to go to games. We want to have that experience. We want to be there. But there's other impacts, too, and the impacts are going to be felt on how the season goes. And I was just thinking about that. So this was the uh, year to be a wild card. Like, yeah, exactly. like, I mean, of course, it's fucking Tom Brady's luck yeah. <laughs> to to be a wild card and and be the year where. Yeah, Florida! like exactly like going to going to road games or having a road game is not nearly as big of a deal now as it was. Uh, you know, just last year or, or maybe next year. So, yeah, it, it definitely does suck in that regard. I was um, I think it was in that Chiefs game where you I kind of heard the crowd and the crowd was kind of a bit of a factor. And I was just like, this this feels weird. It feels very, very weird. But it's unfair to have those people there with their voices. Nah, we haven't I, done that in over eight months. I've given up on the NFL being fair. <laughs> well joe it's always a pleasure to have you on uh you should definitely go check out uh joe your website beyond the horns on this newfangled thing called a Substack. uh yeah. not entirely sure what that is but maybe uh y'all can tell me because i don't even know if we run one i don't i don't think any <laughs> of us know we're just blindfolded it's like bird box blindfolded floating down the river of nfl content man I just keep thinking of uh, like full stack because you've got like full stack developers and then it's <laughs> yeah. like and then it's like my brain goes in a whole different direction. But either way, it's always good to have you back on. Thank you for explaining what the hell is going on with the Rams from yeah. someone who is a fan of the Rams. Uh, it's good chatting. Wait till McVeigh has all the IT calls in his audibles. Front end. We need front end. Give me give me engineer 25 engineer stack lexicon Cloudflare. Let's go. Well, it's going to be like, well, uh, I remember this one time when computers were punch cards because I remember everything, even though I wasn't alive. Uh, Flush so. the cash. Flush it. <laughs> turn it on again and turn it off. <laughs> Clear your cash. Oh, goodness, man. It's good to have you on again, dude. Anytime. Thanks, man. And now my conversation with fellow 49ers fan and PFF analyst Jeff Dini about Kirk Cousins. First question right off the top. Is Kirk Cousins good? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because the, the, the prevailing sentiment is that he's not. And, and I feel like this is one of those instances where the, the kind of the, the development of Kirk Cousins and him, you know, kind of trying to get to his full form is what people remember. But he's got right. this, the seventh best PFF grade for a quarterback since 2018. He has yep. the second highest PFF passing grade in the fourth quarter uh, last year. Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Mahomes, and Baker Mayfield uh, were the players near the top. If you look at his accuracy in 2019, especially in the middle of the field, you know, like the, the accuracy that we thought Jimmy Garoppolo had in 2017, it was tops right. in the league. I mean, he, you, this, the last two years, Kirk Cousins is everything we wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to be based on that five-game sample. Yeah. Yeah. I can't argue with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so why do you think that, that cousins just doesn't get that, that respect? Why do you think that he is, everyone thinks like immediately it's like, Oh no, you look at when, when, cause the, the rumor of course has been floated that he may be an option for the Niners. And while you have some people saying that it's definitely real, you have a lot of other people saying that it's, it's definitely not real. 
the the connection is obviously there because Shanahan loves his guys and his quarterbacks and the the Cousins was part of his plan for the 49ers when he was a head coach and then Jimmy Garoppolo kind of fell in his lap. Why do you think that that Cousins is so polarized and such that so many fans are like, "Oh my god, no, don't do it." Yeah, I think a couple of things. I think one you go back to Washington, um and obviously they didn't win a ton of games there and I think you know how he I don't want to say how he played Washington, but basically just the whole contract impasse there where they're having to franchise tag him for more and more every year. And he was just making, you know, millions and millions of dollars that probably, if you're looking at value, was probably not, you know, even when he was still, you know, a decent quarterback, but, you know, making, I can't remember what the franchise tags were when he was with Washington, but it was in the 20s, 20, 25, 30 million dollars at the time, um, which back then was a lot um, as far as quarterback salary. So I think, I think there's a little bit of him possibly being overrated just basically on his contract value. And I think, I think part of it's that, I mean, part of it is he hasn't, you know, there's the Monday night thing where I think it was either one in whatever his record is on Monday night footballs. It's, it's at not one good. Point, at one point um, he was 0 and 9. I think maybe he's won one game since the, the idea that he can't yeah, exactly. beat good teams is an interesting albatross to hang uh, over his neck. And that's one I think you hear often that he, he's not good when he has to face good teams and he's only good because he's facing bad teams or whatever the case may be. Right. And I mean, you really, you know, look at what is he won? I mean, you know, they were Minnesota was in the playoffs in 2019 and the Niners destroyed him. Um, you know, Keenum was the one that had the, the throw to Diggs to win the game against New Orleans the year before, I think. Um, so, I mean, he, you know, he's not a guy who's been in championship games. Um, you know, he's, he's best known for as a guy who's probably made a bunch of money over his career. Um, but he, I mean, he's graded well in a system. I mean, you, you mentioned some of them, like I said, you know, going back to 2018, if you look at, you know, top 32 quarterbacks, you know, Watson's 91.9 is graded is sixth. Um, you know, Cousins right behind him at seventh, 88.7. Matt Ryan's eighth. You go down, Garoppolo's 21st. You know, granted, some of that is, you know, last year him playing, you know, on a bum ankle and, um, I, you would give him a pass for most of that. If you look, go back to 2019, he was graded 13th, but I think it's about, accurate i think when jimmy is healthy you know he's an average to slightly above average starting quarterback but i think if you look at uh kirk cousins i think you know he's great as a top 10 quarterback the last few years and more importantly which i think you know if you're going to get into whether you keep garoppolo or not you know kirk cousins i think has missed one game in the last six years um where you look at jimmy i mean two of the last three 49er seasons have pretty much gone to the into the toilet because Garoppolo's missed most of the year. Um, and so his inability to stay healthy has really killed him. Um, especially when you look at the fact that they don't have a viable backup behind him. I mean, look at Nick Mullins last year of, you know, you take the 32 quarterbacks who had the most dropbacks in the league last year. He graded dead last. Um, and I mean, if you just had even a, you know, I'm not even saying like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, but even a quality backup quarterback, um, they'd probably go nine and seven last year. I mean, even then, you probably don't even bring Jimmy back after, I mean, you know, Mullins was, you know, so awful in that Eagles game. I think they decided that, you know, Garoppolo at like 60 or 70% was probably better than Mullins at a hundred. They threw him back there. And of course the high ankle sprain exacerbated the injury and then he's pretty much gone for the year. So, I mean, I think you have to look at it two separate ways. You have, you have, you have Garoppolo when he's healthy and, you know, they, they'd gone to the Super Bowl the one year when he was healthy, you know, it is, you know, is can you upgrade off of that? But I think also just, I think durability is the biggest factor when you're paying a quarterback, 25, $30 million a year. And 
you don't have a backup behind him that's, you know, can win a couple games for you. Um, you know, availability is the biggest thing, I think, with him. And I think, you know, I don't know if you label him injury prone or if it's just bad luck or, you know, that's something that's up for debate. But when you look at the Deshaun Watsons and, you know, Kirk Cousins and, you know, I don't think Matt Ryan's probably available either. And he's, you know, 35. But these are guys who have not missed many games at all over the last several years. I think that's a huge factor in all of this. Yeah, for me, it's it's beyond just durability because you're right. It, it was one game that he's missed over the last six seasons, and, and that was a, a meaningless Week 17 game in, in 2019 at the end of the year. To me, I think Cousins is an appreciably better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and I think that you add that with the fact that I think that what he does well also fits really well with with the system that Shanahan is running. And, and I think, you know, we can talk about the whether or not he's available issue a little bit more in depth in, in just a sec, but I think he's a better fit. And I think that the last two years of his career has probably have probably been the best two years of his career. If you look at his numbers over the last two years and you exclude garbage time, so winning percentage, you know, at 10% or 90% where the game's kind of out of reach. Cousins ranks eighth in the NFL in EPA and CPOE composite. EPA is expected points added, and CPOE is completion percentage over expectation. Basically, it's how much value do you add to the offense, and then how accurate are you as a passer? You put that in a composite, and you get a score. You, you get that, that score, and it's not really on the shoulders of EPA. His EPA, believe it or not, over that stretch is the same as Jimmy Garoppolo. It's really in his completion percentage over expectation. He completes... 3.7% more passes than you would expect based on ball location, the, the, where the defender is. And that puts him sixth in the league. Jimmy Garoppolo is 15th in the league. And his depth of target, his air yards, are deeper by over a yard, 7.5 versus Jimmy's 6.4. And, and so I think that you, you look at that over the last two years and you're like, huh, yeah, he's just a different kind of quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to push the ball farther down the field and he's going to be more accurate in the areas of the field that really it drove Jimmy Garoppolo to be as great as we thought he was going to be in 2017. And, and we, you haven't seen Garoppolo get back to those heights since. And, and you talk about like who's won what, and, and it's so funny because the, the narrative is so different for each quarterback. I mean, Cousins, yes, got destroyed by the Niners in 2019, but he also won that overtime game against New Orleans just the week before. And Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. on the other hand, did nothing in two playoff games. And then in the Super Bowl, you know, played well for a couple of quarters and then really kind of choked at the end. And, and yet one is considered as being, you know, a pretty good quarterback when it comes to big games and the other is considered like, oh, you can't win the big one. Yeah, I mean, you look at the 19 playoffs and I mean, honestly, they didn't need Garoppolo. I mean, they, they ran the ball early, got up huge leads and basically at that point was just like, we're just going to sit on it because the only way we're going to lose is if Garoppolo turns the ball over three or four times. And so they basically, you know, it was he threw eight, eight times against the Packers. I can't remember what the number was, but um, I mean, it was just ridiculous. And I thought you played good for three quarters in Super Bowl before, like you said, the fourth quarter obviously fell apart. You know, talk about interception, you know, the missing Sanders, et cetera. But you made a point right. What I was thinking of is just it seems like Shanahan's offense is tailored towards, you know, I don't want to say conservative, but we you talk about air yards or depth of target. And I mean, I mean, you look at percentage of air yards last three seasons, you know, Ryan is, is third at 62%. Watson's 59% fifth cousins, 56% 16th. Garoppolo is dead last actually by a lot and down, down all the way down to 44%. I mean, I know, you know, a lot of that scheme is scheming guys open yards after the catch and that's part of it, but it's also just in complete 
I don't know what the best word is, but non-interest of, of throwing the ball downfield. I mean, you're looking at, you know, throws of 20 yards or more, you know, Ryan, Cousins, Watson, you know, I mean, just comparing these guys that might be available are all between 11 13% of their throws of 20 yards or more. Probably is only down 7.5%. And even though they're like grading on those throws, I mean, Watson's 97, Ryan's 95. Cousins 93, Garoppolo's way down to 83. So um, not only is it not pushing the ball downfield often, but when they do so, just not being as effective. Um, yeah, but do you think that's a function? I mean, it's clear. Do you think that that is, because I, I I think it's Shanahan adjusting to Garoppolo and not Garoppolo oh, running his, his offense, right? Because if you look at 2016, I, I talked about this with Seth uh, Galena just a, a couple of weeks ago, but you look at the, the, the 2016 season for Matt Ryan and his air yards were you know about over nine per pass or just about nine per pass 8.9 uh which put him like eighth in the league that year um that's that's a lot and and i think that the 2016 offense is often the barometer because that's like the fully realized version i think of shanahan's offense and and you look at him trying to run that offense or thinking he could run a similar offense in san francisco he had a speedster in marquise goodwin you know he was trying to get that that physical receiver and then he was trying to look for another receiver he's kind of given up on the super fast receivers because he knows that he doesn't have a quarterback that's going to get them the football i think he wants to get the yeah. ball further downfield and can't which is why cousins i think is a better fit i, I fully agree with that and i think i mean there's a few of those things like you look know, you know the jet sweeps with debo which end up counting his passes and stuff like that but i think for the most part i fully agree i think he's basically catered his offense to try to make Garoppolo succeed as much as possible. And unfortunately that's the offense you see where it's a lot of short throws, getting the ball in receivers hands and let them do stuff afterwards. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I know with Goodwin gone, they really didn't have much of a deep threat last year. I mean, I think, you know, that's going to be IU going forward. I think just cause he has the ability to separate and get open downfield. And also I think he can be a guy that excels in those, you know, 50, 50 balls. But if you hypothetically saw cousins come into this offense next year, I think, you know, obviously it's, He's a guy that, you know, Kyle's been smitten with for, for years. And I think he thinks that that's the guy that fits his offense and the offense that he wants to run. And he came here next year or the year after or whatever. You would see them starting to open it up a lot more, probably passing a lot more, um, throwing the ball downfield quite a bit more. I mean, it's not going to be someone where he's, you know, throwing for 5,000 yards, but definitely not the run heavy, you know, short passing, you know, where you see games where like Garoppolo's, you know, average completion was almost at the line of scrimmage because he was throwing bubble screens and, you know, jet sweeps half the time. Um, I definitely think you would see them open it up quite a bit. And you'd have to, because I mean, I think if you trade for Cousins this year, I think he's, you know, be 21 million against your capital, which would be a little bit of a discount on Garoppolo. But I think next year he's 30 for 2022. You'd be 35 million, 35 million. So if you're paying a quarterback 35 million, you need him to be able to sing the ball around a little bit. Yeah, I do think that if the Niners were to trade for Cousins, and to be clear, this is absolutely a hypothetical because that that's it's something that gets thrown around often, but there has been no none of the true insiders that I really trust have said that this is a real thing. It's been like some, you know, you know, knowing that this is on a podcast, some podcaster off on Twitter with like five thousand followers who says that you know the the Niners are going to trade for Cousins or something like that, um, and and I, so I, this is definitely a hypothetical, but it's a hypothetical that if it were if there are actually conversations, I'm like, yeah, do it. I think Cousins would be an upgrade over Garoppolo. And, and I think that while Cousins is not necessarily elite, he does the things that this offense needs to take them a step forward. Um, for all the same reasons that we talked about Matt Stafford, I think, if anything, Cousins is a little bit younger, uh, not by much, but a little bit younger and, and still would offer some of that upside. 
I think Brett Coleman on Twitter had a really interesting kind of uh, thought process for why the Vikings would even be interested. And it had a lot to do with how much of a window the Vikings feel they have left. If they they have a lot of expiring contracts along the offensive line, they both safeties may be gone after this season. Um, their roster is kind of aging. If you think that that Kirk Cousins is good enough to really take a deep run this year, then maybe you go for it. You run it back one more year with Kirk Cousins and then maybe consider trading him next year, which will be a bit more difficult because of his cap number. But hey, you try to do it one more year. But if not, if you don't think Kirk Cousins is the guy to win you a Super Bowl, and maybe Zimmer doesn't, then you try to get as much value as you can now, knowing that the Niners have the 12th pick and that's a likely destination and you can get that 12th pick in return. That's where it begins to make a bit of sense for the Vikings if you're trying to galaxy brain it all. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing is, I mean, there's a few things. One, I think you mentioned, like I said, he's about the same age as Stafford. I don't think he's had quite the mileage or wear on his tires that Stafford has. I think Stafford's kind of you know, had a lot of bumps and bruises over the last several years. I think um, a broken so I think back certainly qualifies think, as a bump and bruise. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's a good point. It's, I mean, one, it, would the Vikings be interested in trading him? I think one, I guess, before the draft. Um, and then you said you, for all the reasons you just mentioned, you know, maybe like I said, look, you know, maybe we have two more, three, two or three more years of this guy. He's signed for two more years. You know, if we can't get to the Super Bowl um, with this guy, maybe it's time to, to, I don't want to say full on rebuild, but maybe retool. Um, especially you got Aaron Rodgers probably still in the division for a couple more years, likely. Um, you know, but then there's a thought of if they don't want to deal before the drive, you know, they have the 14th pick you know, maybe they want to try to move up or maybe Trey Lance falls in their lap or something along those lines where they end up drafting someone in the first round and then decide after the draft that they might want to deal cousins. Um, I mean, that's a possibility too. I, the interesting thing is one, I think cousins has more value probably to the Niners than any other team just because of Kyle, obviously. But if they did decide they want to deal him, I mean, what kind of market would there be for him as opposed to some of these other quarterbacks that you have been rumored and Stafford and, and some of these other guys, and what kind of draft compensation do you think they could get? I mean, do you think they could get a first rounder from at this point? I think that if they're going to get a first rounder for Cousins, it's likely going to come from a team like the 49ers. The, right. the Niners do overpay for the players they love. And I think it's pretty clear that, that Shanahan loves Cousins. That's where I think they're going to get their most value. And that's why I think if you're the Vikings, it might be a bit more of the impetus to say, when are they going to have another pick in this area again? Could we get 12 and 14, package those up and get a quarterback, um, you know, and and begin to do this a bit more long term and begin that kind of rebuild and and try to drive the car while you're putting it together, um, uh, you know, and have and maybe extend your window a couple more years than than if you just have this guy and this albatross is thirty five million dollars and call it a day. Um, right. So I don't know that they, so if, I think they might get maybe that market, but I don't think it would be nearly as, as robust as it was for Stafford. No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't know if any other team outside the Niners would be willing to give up a number one pick for him unless it's late in the first round at this point. I, like I said, I think he, I mean, he's just, he holds so much more value to the Niners than I think any other team at league just because of, you know, of Kyle's feelings about him and how he thinks he can excel in this offense. Um, I'm not sure any other team would be willing to give him on number one. It'd be interesting to see, um, you know, especially when it looks like, you know, maybe none of these other quarterbacks, whether it be Watson or Ryan or anybody else are going to be available, or if he's the last guy, um, if you want a veteran quarterback, maybe there's a little bit of a bidding war perhaps. But so if, if you're John Lynch would, and 
the deal comes up and it's the number 12 pick, do you, would you make that? Would you pull the trigger? Number 12 for Kirk Cousins straight Yeah. Up? Yes. I, I would do it. I would absolutely do it. Interesting. I would. I, I think that it's it's one of those things where it's it's the unique marriage of scheme and style. And, and I don't think that Kirk Cousins is, you know, in the same stratosphere as Deshaun Watson. But I do oh, think not. I do think that he is comparable to uh, to Stafford. And within this system, maybe even a little better than Stafford. He's younger than Stafford. Um, or perhaps maybe not in this system better than Stafford, but at least I, I've seen what he can do in this system. And I know that that stuff translates right. very, very well. Um, because with the Vikings, he's run a similar system, uh, or he did for one year at least. Um, and, and we know that he's done it well when he's in Washington too. So, so yeah, I think I would do it. Um, to me, I don't know that... I think I've seen enough of Jimmy Garoppolo to know what his limitations are. And the thing is, is that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a terrible quarterback. He's not. I think he can probably be a very viable starter for an NFL team. I just, I don't know that he is going to provide that consistent top end play that Cousins does flash at times um, more often than Jimmy Garoppolo does. No, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, I've always kind of thought there was like, a if you rank the top 32 quarterbacks, there's a line and it's somewhere between like 10 and 15 and it kind of changes. But there's like, Everybody above that line are teams who have who they think is their guy that they can contend for a Super Bowl with. And I mean, if you're at the top and it's Mahomes or Rodgers, those are the guys that can carry you to a Super Bowl. And if you're down you know, closer to that line, it's guys that if you surround him with enough talent that maybe he can get you there. And obviously, I think Garoppolo's near that line. I think he's kind of you know, when he's healthy, which is obviously the big if now, but he kind of hovers around that line. And I think, you know. They had an elite defense in 2019. They got him the Super Bowl and they got him within, you know, 10 minutes of, of winning it. Um, you know, it's it's going to be tough to ever replicate that defense. Again, just, you know, for salary cap reasons, we saw, you know, DeForest Buckner, you know, they had to deal with him, you know, because you can't extend everybody, obviously. Um, so, you know, I said, I think he's, he's, to me, an average to slightly above average quarterback in this league, but it's a quarterback-driven league. And if you want to contend for Super Bowls year after year, I think you need someone probably a little better than that. And I think if you can get cousins, you know, I mean, if I'm negotiating, I'm hoping to, you know, get him for a second or possibly, you know, next, you know, 2022, number one, when you're hopefully drafting in the twenties or thirties, but you know, if it comes to be, you know, take it or leave it, it's number 12. You know, I, I, I'd have to think long and hard, but I probably would pull the trigger too, because it's either that, or you're going into the season with Garoppolo, which I think is probably, you know, the most likely scenario at this point. But, um, if you have a chance to upgrade and get someone who's, if you look at all the numbers, whether it's PFF grades or metrics or some of the stuff you, you know, you've talked about earlier, he's been a top 10 quarterback. I mean, he's obviously in the bottom half of that top 10, but he's been a top 10 quarterback over the last several seasons. So if you, and you have a guy who knows Kirk, you know, sorry, he knows Kyle Shanahan's offense has played in it. So it's not like, you know, Matthew Stafford having to come in and learn a new system. He would be able to step in right away. There isn't the huge learning curve, which you have with some other quarterbacks. Um, I think you pull the trigger and then maybe either later in the draft this year or high up next year, you draft a quarterback knowing that, you know, you may only have Kirk Cousins for two, three, four more years um, and then kind of have someone else you can groom to take his place later on. Hey man, 33 is the new 25. Like at this right. point, you've got Tom Brady who's going to play until he's 97. So, and all it takes is eating avocado ice cream. So you, you, <laughs> there got, you, go. you, you can, you can but, do I mean, it. Look at Rogers is what 36 now. And I mean, obviously he had one of his best years too. So, I mean, it's, 
You know, I mean, 32 is not old for a quarterback. I mean, I think you still can get three or four more years out of him at a high level, I would think. It's just, you know, obviously he gets costly after this year. That's that's the one catch. I leave you, I leave you with two things before we go on to some quick hits. In the last six years, only one quarterback has thrown for over 3,000 yards and 25 touchdowns, and that is Kirk Cousins. He's the only quarterback wow. who's done that every year over the last six years. And number two is, I think, and I know that like if the Niners trade for, or if the Niners sign Kirk Cousins, they probably send him to a bigger deal and they don't have the capital to kind of make some other moves and, you know, they, he doesn't get injured and they don't get Bosa. So like, I know that, that a lot of things, you know, whatever. But if we're going to just transplant Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins into, into 2019, I think the Niners have a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I can't argue with that. And I think the first stat you mentioned, I think, just lends to his durability, which is, I think, like I said, what we've talked about with Garoppolo. And I think if if you can get him somehow without having to, like, just, you know, mortgage future. And I think, like I said, I don't think, you know, just a 12th pick on its own is mortgaging your future. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a wise move. And I think it's just a question of, you know, it's Minnesota looking looking at, you know, rebuilding at this point um, and whether they're willing, you know, maybe like you said, you know, 12 and 14 for them gets them into the top 10. I don't know how deep into the top 10, but then you, know, you he, that gives them an opportunity to draft all those four quarterbacks, you know, whether it's, you know, Wilson or Fields or Lance or whoever, you know, might, might fall. Um, you know, it gives an opportunity to rebuild. Um, I think it's a good move for the Niners. And I think it's just, again, because Minnesota needs to look in the mirror. And I, I don't know with where, where they are at with their team and their cap situation that Kirk Cousins gets them to a Super Bowl in the next two years under his deal. Kirk Cousins on the 49ers, assuming they can you know, re-sign Trent Williams and a couple of these guys on defense in the secondary, I think could get them to a Super Bowl in the next two seasons. All right, let's get to some quick hits. And it's going to be powered, at All least right. the first four questions are going to be powered by the people always ask section from Google when you search Kirk Cousins. Number one, is Kirk Cousins the highest paid quarterback? Go. No. That's correct. He's not. Number two, is Kirk Cousins the top 10 quarterback? Yes. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. I think so, too. Number three, is Kirk Cousins elite? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with a no on that one. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Me, too. Uh, is, or no, what is Kirk Cousins' salary? I want to say... 31 million this year. Is that right? That is exactly right. 21 base, 10 million prorated bonus. Well done. Very, very good. So uh, he's, if he comes to San Francisco, he's 21 million in our books. And then correct. Minnesota takes, well, yeah, I did take a $20 million captive. I think 10 of that is from this year's uh, signing bonus prorating. So that's exactly right. Uh, I'd be a 21 million this year and it'd be 35 next year. So they'd actually save the 3.1 million on the cap if they had somehow swapped Garoppolo out for cousins one yeah. way or another. And, and while it does suck to take that $20 million hit, apparently that's just what you do uh, if you're the Rams. And so like teams will take that hit, but Kirk cousins is set to hit their cap. If he stays for $45 million because it's $35 million base and $10 million in prorated bonus. So all that gets accelerated into one year and then they no longer have that $45 million hit in 2022. So there is, there is some reasons maybe that the Vikings could do it. Uh, the last question that we, when you, is Kirk Cousins Mormon, apparently, is the other question people ask, but I don't think he's Mormon. 
Um, all right. Now let's get to some actual <laughs> football questions. Uh, who wins the Super Bowl, in your opinion? Go. Oh, man. I want to pick Tampa Bay, but I got to go with I, – I can't bet against Mahomes, especially after the pain we endured last year of the Niners controlling that game for 50 minutes and then watching Mahomes just pull that game out. Um, I mean, I think the, if Tampa Bay does win, I think it's because just the Chiefs offensive line is just in shambles and Tampa Bay's pass rush is so strong. But I just I can't pick against Mahomes, so I'm going to go Kansas City. Uh, who is going to be the first player to score? This is for amusement only, but I'm going to go Travis Kelsey. Yeah, look, I'm just trying to collect my prop bet roster. Like all the <laughs> all the quick hits that I've done. Like I think uh, I've also asked the the over under for Tom Brady's rushing yards are set to 0. 0.5. Over or under? Go. <laughs> I got to go under on that, especially because I figure if Tampa Bay somehow wins, there might be some kneel downs in there. But yeah, I'm I'm sticking with the under on that. I agree with you. I can't bet on that giraffe to run for more than half a yard. Like it's just it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen at all. Um, man, it's been fun to talk about Kirk Cousins. I've been, um, you know, I've been anxious to talk about Cousins for a bit. And now with all the rumors floating, it's interesting. I'm, I'm finding more and more people are kind of along the, yeah, he's actually pretty good, but for whatever reason, Cousins doesn't get that, uh, he doesn't get that respect. I guess being a, a goofy guy, uh, <laughs> doing awkward dances in the end zone, uh, don't necessarily endear you to people. Uh, but here we are talking about quarterbacks some more. We'll see what happens if it does. Yeah, I mean, and one other thing, I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, it seems like Jimmy's pretty beloved in the locker room. I know Kittle, I mean, you know, talks about him and stuff, and they have the relationship. If you swap out Garoppolo for Cousins, I mean, do you think there's any danger of, I don't say losing the locker room, but any kind of disharmony there by making that swap? Uh, I'll tell you what uh, I think is, is, well, first off, I think that's not really an issue. I, I always think about the Alex Smith-Joe Staley relationship and how they were so incredibly close and and still are close really to this day. But when the Niners shifted to Kaepernick, it was like, okay, let's go win. And and the players knew why the decision was made and they all still loved Alex Smith and and still got behind Kaepernick and rode that to a Super Bowl. I, I don't think that it would be an issue in the locker room because of the team that Shanahan and Lynch have built. I think there will definitely be some sad people but I think if they continue to win, then it's not going to be an issue. I think if for whatever reason they make that trade and all of a sudden, you know, they're like six and ten, that might be a different story. But that's that's I think not just going to be because of leadership. It's going to be because of a lot of other things. Winning cures all. It sure does. It sure does. Jeff, it is always a pleasure having you back on the Better Rivals podcast. I'm glad we could talk about Kirk Cousins. Take it from the Twitters to the airwaves. Uh, I hope you have a good week. I hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. Enjoy the game and win some props. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. You can always follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Niners. <laughs>